more expensive. Gun. Oh, Bill's got a super expensive mic. Yours is short. Yep, so is mine. Garth, though. That's what I <laughs> Do it again, Tommy. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> Won't fit nothing. Oh, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do the. The uh, you know what what weren't what you didn't expect, and then we can move into at the end. We'll move into uh, some of the questions you sent. Yeah, um, I'd like to. It's a lot of good questions in there, man. So we've got Austin with us today, and uh, Austin's been on for a couple of years. Uh, kind of a new guy, but that's okay. That's what makes this fun. And Austin works uh, um, in the uh, Metro Atlanta area for a large department, and he had some questions for us. It's pretty good ones, actually. I'm just a little surprised he sent as many as he did. Yeah, but I we can appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, it ended up being a lot. I, I actually compiled some from a whole bunch of other people too. It's just a lot yeah. of them are mine, and then a lot of them are just whoever wanted to send something in. So well, did I, you like tell them, "Hey, we're about, I'm about to go on a podcast. What do you want me to ask them?" Uh, pretty much, yeah. A lot of it I actually filtered out because it's you two, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you can ask those to me. Just ask those to yeah, me. Yeah, ask Hatch. Well, well yeah. a lot of them were very I'm not here. department specific. So okay. I had to. Well, like we'll do that on a yeah. another episode. Yeah. Maybe a, not like this. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that on the disciplinary hearing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we'll about do, you have, do you have this list of questions? Uh, I, I should. Because, I, I mean, I, I kind of want to leave it up to you as to which ones to tackle. Oh. We can't, well, we can't hit them all. Why don't you? Um, God, I sure would like to. Those are phenomenal questions. While in you're there. getting your questions ready, why don't you tell us how you ended up in the fire department? Okay, um, I was actually in college down in uh, Statesboro, um, kind of looking for something to do. And uh, my girlfriend at the time is now my wife. Her dad is also a firefighter, so she had been telling me about it and. I don't know. I might have saw on Facebook or something like that about uh, volunteers. They need a volunteers, something like that. At get, uh, get Statesboro? Yeah, or, well, uh, Bullock County. Oh, okay. So I didn't know anything about it, and uh, I went and met with the chief, and he was like, yeah, just come on. You know, we need people. And that first night, they uh, threw me in a burn building, all this heavy-ass gear. On night and, one? Yeah, first night, night, night one. Wow. They were doing some live fire training with the neighboring department. And they <laughs> were just like, for you. get on in there. And I'm like, I have no idea what the hell's going on, but this is pretty cool. So, You're good. Remember the rules. We had this conversation. I don't know if you've ever, what was it, episode three with uh, Rick? Yeah. Oh, 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 I know, I know. I'm it's a, like he's I'm keeping a, a beat. Okay. I'm a fidgety person. Hey, what were you going to college for? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I started <laughs> I off pre-law. Um, Outstanding. And then I went through about 12 different majors um, before I finally ended up leaving. I think I was just a general studies major, so I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, long story short, we find out that we were going to have our first son. You know, we were, and um, so we left school because I needed a job. And at that point, I had been a volunteer for a little while. Got to fight a couple of fires from the outside. So I, I didn't really get to go interior or anything. But I, I knew it was like, yeah, I kind of want to do this you know, for a living. I applied to everywhere that was open in the country and got on where I got on. And here I am. Yeah. Wow. Excellent. Did you finish your degree? <clears throat> No, uh, not yet. You planning on it? Yeah, yeah. I uh, probably gonna go through Columbia Southern. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah absolutely. You can plug them all you want. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm probably going to end up. <laughs> I'm an alumni. Them. Yeah, a lot of people I know are, so it's uh, you can go finish up with them. I got four and a half years of college done. <laughs> you <laughs> might point, as well close the books on that yeah, one. <laughs> at this point, it's just kind of turning in paperwork and uh, right, finishing it up. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Well, what what about um, what about the fire service isn't what you expected? Uh, pretty much everything. Um, the biggest thing is the amount of naked people that I see. <laughs> I was not a, that you, you that wouldn't normally want to see. Is that, is yeah. that at the station or is that on it, calls? Or? I knew this topic was going to come out eventually. This has been a little dirty secret that we've had for such a long time. Yeah, yeah usually it's uh, usually it's on calls, but well, I was not expecting that. Um, but as far as uh, coming into it, I didn't really know what to expect. I've kind of told things here and there, but right. The tradition, the really the history of it all, and then the um, the the rookie work. I wasn't expecting all that. You Did know. your father in law not give you like a little heads he, up he on how me, this was going to go yeah, down? Yeah, yeah. He gave, I mean, he gave me a heads up, and uh, I knew you kind of like I need to know my place and you know keep my mouth shut and work my way up and all that. But as far as what it was going to be like once I actually got out into it, that. I wasn't prepared for really anything. I mean, prior to when you were in college and <clears throat> even when you started volunteering, did you have any kind of general framework of what you expected out of the fire service or it was just, eh, let me go try this thing? Uh, no, yeah, it was kind of, it really was just kind of a, I'm going to go try this out sort of thing. And I ended up loving it. So, did you know exactly when you said, "Oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do"? Like, was there a moment, a thing, something that happened where you're like, "Oh, yep, this is what I'm doing"? The well, from the volunteer side of things, yeah. I mean, when I first went in, and really that first night, I sat there and my knees were burning in this you know, metal burn bu- building and everything, and I'm watching the fire on the how they were doing like a, a yeah, fire dynamics yeah. sort of thing for, for our recruit class. I say that with parentheses, but in the first uh, day that you were in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's good. First day. That's yeah. how we do it. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there like, Oh, wow. Cool shit. I kind of want to keep doing this. And then like two weeks later, um, I got my first fire call, which is rare down there. It's, you know, it's a volunteer department, but, in the middle of nowhere. But, um, yeah, no, this house was, it was ripping and we, we burned it to the ground. You know, we say right. the foundation, but that, that's because of water supply issues and everything else like that. But sitting there getting to do that, I was like, it's freaking awesome, you know? And, um, along the way, uh, I met a couple of really good guys that were really into the job. And I think that also kind of helped me get more and more into it. So combination of, Meeting a couple people that really set me in the right track of uh, in terms of you know how the job's supposed to be, so, so to speak. Um, fighting that fire, and then that first night where I'm like, "What the hell's going on?" <laughs> you know, this is awesome. <laughs> did um, did you have any pushback from family? I mean, you you start out pre law in college, and then 
you end up in the fire service. I mean, was there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, my grandfather was like, he was beside himself when I told him I was going to go be a firefighter because he, he just didn't get it. And he later changed his opinion of that, but he didn't, he didn't understand that. Yeah. I think, um, at, at that point, my, uh, my, my grandparents, they, they adopted me and said, I, uh, I think they were just tired of, uh, he just wasted their money, so they were happy to see me doing. <laughs> okay. okay, they were happy to see me doing something productive. Instead of being a full time student, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were like, "Yeah, it's probably time for you to get you out of do here." Do something. Yeah. Do you think that? So going back, you go volunteer day one. <clears throat> excuse me, day one. You're doing a live fire training evolution. Two weeks later, you're in a live fire. Do you think it was more the? I'm part of a greater good. I'm doing something other people can't do. Um, part of this team uh oh there's this culture this history like what's the draw at that point what's the draw for you to go oh yeah this is what i'm gonna do besides just fighting fighters badass um that part was was cool and everything but i think the the bigger pool was being part of a team i've always been sports and everything else like that um so being part of that community that team whatever you want to call it i think that was a big draw and um being part, I mean, being part of the greater good definitely had something to do with it. I don't think I, at the time I was really thinking of it that way. So you got pulled in with fire, and then we handed <clears> you a ton of med calls. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. Another thing. That's, that's another thing I did not expect. The unexpected. Was, uh, yeah, actually, when I got on with my uh, current department, I uh, they were like, you got to go to EMT school. And I was like, I don't know anything about med stuff. Did I just, you, you know, not know you were going to have to go to EMT school when you started the academy? I mean, I knew by the time, like, through that, when I was doing the hiring process and everything, I knew that. But right. I didn't realize before then, since my uh, exposure to the fire service was so right. narrowed, that um, that was a thing that. That's one of I the things we surprisingly do. hear from time to time is, yeah. I had no idea I was going to have to go to EMT school. Yeah. It's so the people that get through the hiring process. You, right. You're like, how did you, you just assume everybody knows, but reality is they. Don't all realize that. Mm-hmm. that that's a, that's, that that's part one of, of them. A very important part of you coming into this community is that, yeah, that's one of the steps that you have to take almost everywhere. Yeah. And it was, uh, I mean, it, at the department I was at um, volunteering, you know, one, there was like 15 people in the department, but they didn't have, I don't even think I ever saw an ambulance when I was down in Statesboro. So, you know. Right. Yeah, that area is different. Very rural, yeah. very, you know, right. very. Uh, small area and so I, I know we're going to move past this now but do you think that when again now you're part of this team or this community and of course anytime you get into that fire man it's just if you haven't been there then you can't explain it and everybody listening for the most part has been there to where you just can't explain how you're drawn to that freaking fire this is badass but do you feel like the fire service gave you a sense of purpose that you may have not had prior to 100%. Yeah. Cause I, we find that a lot when we have discussions where it, you know, the fire service just gives you a sense of purpose. Yep. It's, uh, Absolutely. you know, it's like going into it. It was, I was just kind of floating around, you know, going to school in the loosest sense of the term. Yeah. Um, and just having no idea what I want to do with my life. And, uh, the fire service and having uh, my first child definitely gave me a, a sense of direction and probably saved my life from the direction I was going. So, 
that definitely had a big part to do with it. So fire got you in, and uh, you're at a busy station in the department that you're in. What happens if you get transferred to a station that doesn't see that much fire? <laughs> what? Is that a good question? Bell threw his hands up. This is hypothetical. Me hypothetical. My, yeah, I mean, if I would have posed that question, it'd probably be a little bit what? less impactful. Less impactful? Well, no. I mean, I mean, I understand. I know where he's going with yeah, it. Yeah. I, I see where he's, he's going. With I don't. Under, I'm, I'm lost. That's is, is, okay. there, is there something I need to be worried about? No, oh, 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 you mean that? that I understand. I agree with him. You just mean that that if you had asked it, not being in the department, that. <laughs> just a joke, fellas. Just a joke. I was kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's totally hypothetical. Uh, yeah. But I'm getting to, you know, if you're if you're if you've got joy in the job mm-hmm. and you end up going somewhere in your department, which is not I in my twenty four years I have gotten one uh transfer request. Every other move that was made was not my request. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably true for most people. You know, we end up working with what we're given and we go where, where people need us. So how do you find that joy if you end up somewhere that doesn't necessarily have that much fire? Uh, you know, I don't think I really, you know, I don't think that it's so much the fire that brings in the joy. It's more of, I mean, honestly, it's if you have a good crew, that's does everything. We could go the entire day and not do anything and still, right. I still look forward to coming to work, you know? Um, I think that would be the major thing. Now, if you sent me to to a station that don't, don't uh, say the station, ran, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you sent me to a certain station and uh, they didn't run any calls at all, and the crews just you know it's a ghost town the moment you walk inside, then yeah, I, I don't really know. Uh, do you think that has an impact on whether people stay or go? Oh yeah, I, I definitely do. I mean, if you especially coming from a <clears throat> you know newer guy, yeah. I think if I aren't deep yet, if I had gotten sent directly to a certain station here or there, um, one, I probably would have worked to get to where I wanted to go. But, uh, barring that, yeah, I think it could, it could weigh on you. You know, um, you take a guy who comes out, he's fresh and he wants to get that experience and wants to be around guys that are like-minded with him. And, you know, Six months, a year later, he's still stuck in the same place. I could see how that could kind of beat you down. So what from, uh, how would you compare firehouse life to something outside? The best way I can compare it to is a uh, semi-professional frat house. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually what I say too. So that's actually pretty good. But I mean, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, especially if you got a house full of good guys and girls that really care about the job and really want to do well, you know, it's, that's what it is. <laughs> 24 hours of shenanigans. And I tell my wife, it's like a sleepover every third day with your best buddies. Yeah. It was yeah. awesome. It's something she that didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think my, uh, since my wife, you know, grew up in it, she kind of has an understanding with it. She likes it because it gets her time to yeah. be away from me. And uh, I, I get, she knows I get to, I wake up every morning going into shift and I'm excited about it. She, she thinks that's pretty cool. That's awesome. So I, I kind of want to peel back a layer a little bit on what you said a second ago. So you were talking about you wanted to go to a busy house and if you had gone out from, I guess, recruit school to maybe a, one of these particular houses where the crews don't like each other and they run that much, it'd have an impact on whether or not you stayed. But the spot's still got to be filled, right? Yeah. Somebody's got to go in it. So who should go in it? 
somebody else in your recruit class, somebody who's been there longer and just got seniority on you guys, where where's the balance? Because sometimes these guys sitting on the other side have to make these tough calls, and it's not because we're do, you know they're doing it because they don't like these individuals, but the spot's still got to get filled. Spot's got to get filled, and you know I recognize that there's a debate there. Do you just kind of send all your shit bags to the same station versus <laughs> versus do you spread you know, them out? You spread them out and. I don't know. Man, that's such a good topic for that our podcast. That is a good topic. <laughs> I don't you know why we haven't done that yet. You would write that down somewhere. I don't know why we haven't done that yet. Austin, uh, what you don't on, realize. Keep going, Austin. That you don't 20, realize is we've been, that's a topic that we've been throwing around for like two years. 2030. Yeah. Somebody's looking the other direction. 2030, we are actually going to uh, put that one put out. That one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'd be we retired by then, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I understand that there's a debate there. I and I don't know, that's for people above my bank grade to figure out. But it, uh, So what do you think you can control at the station at your level two years in? Um, let's say you get sent to one of those stations. Mm-hmm. And it, it is what it is. You got sent. You had to be there. How much can you control that atmosphere? How much do you feel like you can control that atmosphere? Um, I don't know. That's hard, man. It's... Uh, Especially, I mean, there's so many factors that go into it. But um, really, the only thing that I think that going into it that I'd be able to control is my own or are my own actions and my attitude going in. Um, other than that, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I look, the way I look at it, too, is I only have two years out in the field. You know, I haven't done I haven't done jack shit. That's just how it is in my mind. So that said, I kind of look at it like, oh, these people have been down in this hole for <clears> ten <throat> years or whatever. They still have that ten years over me, and it's like, why are they going to listen to me? You know. So hopefully, right. my actions by going in and bugging the shit out of them and be like, hey, you want to train on this? You want to do this? And hopefully, maybe I can get something to creep in and maybe kind of turn the tide a little bit. Or but other than that, I don't. Well, you're you're spot on on that. It, some would come in and say, well, if I'm within my first year, two years, I really haven't done nothing, what impact am I going to have? Pretty big one if you go into a house with the right attitude. You may be the one that actually lifts that station up. Everybody wants to, for the most part, you know, brag on their station, their department or whatever it is. So new blood seems to have a good effect on a house when somebody walks into it or can have a good effect when somebody walks into it. So you're right. You walking in there and bringing good vibes, you know, a fresh open mind, willing to soak in information. So that could have a, a huge positive impact on a house. I agree. I think there's an opportunity there that, you know, sometimes just because they're newer, they don't feel that they have that app, that, that ability to move the needle. Right. Like the, the, there's know? a lot of influence that actually comes with being fresh blood into the fire service that reminds us because it's easy to go, Hey, you got 10, 15, 20 years in and you've seen all this. Yeah. And that creates a certain, there's just a lot of baggage that comes with that. Mm -hmm. So the reminder of what it's like those first five years or whatever, where you just didn't care about anything upset getting in that truck, the sirens blaring and finding that call, you forget that. And you, you start getting further and further away. So it seems like when somebody comes in and you see the excitement in them, 
it re-excites you like, yeah, man, I remember those days. Those days are great. That's why I love recruit school. I, one of the things that I love is recruit school and them coming out of recruit school because it's just that reminder of how amazing our job is when you push away all the noise that you hear through the year. So you do have a tremendous impact when you walk into a house. Austin, you get sent off a lot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you, I mean, you, you're, you're around – other than just your station, you're around other other stations. Right? Oh, you mean so he's because you're the least senior or not a senior, well, no, you get floated out well, a lot. Well, well, that and skills, skill sets, another piece. Yeah, since I I went and got my relief driver. So, oh, okay. That, so, thank you for doing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, and my battalion in particular was low on relief drivers, and you know, with COVID and everything else that's been going on. Pretty much every day, somebody needs a driver somewhere, and so since yeah, I'm the least well, I'm not the least senior person at my station in particular, but I am the only relief driver. You know, you're not right. going to send the DO off. So when you when you get sent off to these other stations with these officers and whoever else that you're not that familiar with, and you're going on scene, and a decision's being made that you don't necessarily understand. How much do you feel that you can speak up or ask for explanation maybe later? Why, you know, why did you make that decision? Mm-hmm. Or is it shut off, you know, especially if you're at one of those stations that's not necessarily what what we would all say, high performance? Um, well, I'm kind of uh, lucky with how I am because I have been, I usually do get sent off uh, at least battalion-wide, I know I've picked up on how most crews operate and everything and how most uh, most of the officers are or the AOIC of that time. Um, and I have a pretty – I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with most people. So, if so you never have that, that moment where you're like, I don't understand what the hell he's oh, doing. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that's, there have been a couple. Um, when he walked through the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there have been a couple and uh, – if it's something that's unsafe or that I feel is, you know, outside of our scope of practice or something like that on a med call or something like that, then I'm going to, uh, if it's somebody that's more senior than me or has rank on me, I'm going to politely and respectfully be like, no, we can't do that. Right. You know? Um, but if it's just something that I have a question about for the most part, I'm pretty lucky in that I think I can go and just talk with the person afterwards so do you do you um, feel like you get a good answer, or do you feel like you come away from that and go, no wonder these guys are the way they are. No wonder they have the reputation they have. Yeah. No wonder. Uh, by his smile, it's the last one. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, ah, you know, that's hard because I don't, in, in my experience, for the most part, I'd say that the people that I work with and interact with each day pretty jam up um, and know their shit. So that doesn't come up too often. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't really have an answer for that. I I got a question then. Well, I know it's delicate because I mean, that's, that's the, you know, you don't want to say something, but I mean, it doesn't matter if, if, if every, if every person in a department was operating at 95%, they're still going to be the ones that are at, or well, I should say, no one's operating lower than 95%. They're going to be the 99s and the 98s, and they're going to look down on the 95%. 
You know, I mean, it, yeah. it's whoever is the bottom is the bottom. It doesn't matter whether they're they're at twenty percent, fifty percent, seventy percent. It's all relative. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I mean, you you're you're in a a good battalion. You're surrounded by good folks. I get it, but you know, it is. Again, I get back to what. How much do you feel like you can change that environment on your own at your level? Because that's a, yeah. I you know, it's been a while since I was a two year in firefighter. You where, know, where I'm at now, um, in this early point in my career, I, I feel like now that especially since you know I've fought some fire, I've pumped some fires, I've shown most of the people that I work with, I'd, at least I'd like to think that I've shown them, you know, I have a good work ethic, you know, I care about the job and everything. And I'd like to say that I've at least gained a little respect with some of them. So I feel like I can talk more about things with some of the older guys and um, at least have a conversation with thing, them about certain things or how pick their brains on things. Like, why are we doing it this way? Or what do you think about this or something like that? Um, now, when I was a, like a rookie or, you know, we use orange shields. So, as our during our probation period, so when I was a probie, it was like <laughs> I can't, I right. can't just keep my mouth shut and work. Um, and I'm just now kind of getting to the point where I'm a little more comfortable with throwing in my own ideas or questioning why we're doing something. Right. So this group of uh, high performance individuals that you're uh, being farmed out to, to as a relief driver, apparently uh, some of them gave you questions for us. Uh, yeah, they did. Cabell, did you have a question? Yeah, I'd appreciate that, Hatch. Hey. I, I, I thought you were reading a book. I slipped up. No, so I, I wasn't. <laughs> I was going to see you one time. I'm Sorry. in the process of writing a book here <laughs> with notes, but uh, I'm just curious. I know you've had good leadership around you, like you said, but I don't think we do a good job at asking this question from any level, and we should, which is from your two years in with, the different leadership that you've had, even if it's step up leadership, what would you say right now where you are go officers keep doing this. When I walk in and an officer does this, this is squared away. This is what we like. Stop doing this. So what do we need to keep doing and what do we need to stop from Uh, your perspective? Cause you know, a lot of the stuff is, well, these new, uh, guys and gals coming in from this generation, that's happened since the day I joined the fire service. I probably never leave, mm-hmm. but we don't ask the feedback often to go, well, tell us, keep doing this, stop doing that. Um, in my experience, the officers that trust their crew to do the job, do their job, that's probably the best thing ever. You know, having a having a captain or a seat rider or something like that that just knows that you know your shit and that you're gonna do it and get it done, that's the best thing ever. The the micromanaging, uh, you know, somebody somebody that wants to just have their hand in literally every single thing or that that's probably the two biggest things I could think of right now. God, funny how that trust thing keeps creeping up every single time we have a conversation and how critical it is to somebody seeing success or failure. Now that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. All right, go ahead, Bill. Questions? Well, I don't have a transition out of that. <laughs> well, we did. He's, he's going to go into asking the question that his crews did. Okay. Oh, are you just going down the list or are you randomly picking? Um, I mean, I can pick a good one. Pick some good ones. I can do. Hatch is answering all of these. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
Well, which ones did you guys think were good ones? Because I thought they were all good ones, but... Oh, God, there were some great yeah. ones in there, really. <laughs> were there any that really stood out to y'all? Well, one, there's one I can knock out very quickly. <laughs> I know which one it Here is. It which this one is it? Be oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. This was, a better, this was better quickly at the end. Being no, because we, we brought it up uh, a couple of times, which in different discussions, and it's... Can you explain this blue card you guys have mentioned before? <laughs> Is that what you thought? No. We okay. haven't mentioned it. We the have. Bell. Yes. <laughs> we don't know what it is. Yeah. So I, I actually tried just looking, up, looking up what it was, and I, I couldn't figure it out. All right. So, so blue card command uh, is a Brunacini program that was developed for basically incident management. It's like what we run in a structure fire, hazardous material call, and stuff like that. And all it does is is just kind of put a framework behind it. So I'm not going to definitely not, not going to go down the avenue of explaining it in detail because it's something that you need to look into. But the reason we reference it sometimes or having the past is I find it easier if we're talking about specifically in some of the subjects that we've discussed when I go about a command structure. An example of that would be in your department, you may retain your unit number. Uh, you will always be engine, whatever, truck, whatever. In another department, they actually give you the assignment and you retain your assignment. So the reason that I like to reference blue card or something like that, because it puts people don't get as defensive anymore, because if I say something that opposes your command structure, you're immediately going to support it because that's what you're used to. You're used to when I say, hey, engine 36, you remain engine 36. But if I was to go on the other direction and say, hey, you're now fire control one, you're like, What? So the blue card commands is just an incident management system that was created uh, and it has a bunch of training to go along with it, but it neutralizes conversations when it comes to incident management. So people don't get defensive that you're saying that their system is not good and it's a great program. So there you go. I knocked one out of the list. Outstanding. I've already checked it off. Yeah, that was great. And, and now I'll hashtag it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, how about the uh, ask them how we can stay a tailboard for a few years to gain experience and not be perceived by the higher echelons as turds? I was a little bit surprised did by that Did you transfer one. command to him to allow him to ask that question? I don't think I you did. I think you should. Have, oh, God. I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just <laughs> playing. <laughs> right now. He has to assume command first. Okay. Is he freelancing or self-assigning right there? Well, uh, uh, that's self-assigning. Oh. It, it, so <sighs> I'm surprised with that question. Why? Yeah. Because I actually respect when somebody sets their own path of when to move. I think that uh, some are moving way too quickly past positions without giving it enough time and trying to perfect it to a certain degree. So I was actually surprised when I saw that because I actually look at some of these career drivers or whatever, and I envy that. I'm like, fantastic. That person knows exactly the role he wants to fill. Sure. So I was kind of surprised. I'm going to step out of this one, really, because I was honestly kind of surprised with that question. I don't consider well, it a turd at all. I'm like, okay, they, they know their place. And that kind of comes back to, you know, like you asked me, do I get sent off all the time? Yes, I do. And I think um, it would be awesome if I could have sat as a tailboard for five years or something like that and just why would it have been awesome well then because then my only because here i'm i'm getting yeah. well i, I want to get to something about that what did you just say because at that point my only responsibilities are you know 
Right. Go and fight the fire, do right. vitals, whatever. It, it allows me time. I to, could feel that's Bill's what pulse. Well, no, no. It's not, <laughs> my blood pressure has not gone up. Mine is. It, it has nothing to do with the position. It has nothing to do with tailboard, driver, captain, whatever. It's totally about whatever your goal is in that position. Now, if you're sitting as a tailboard and you have no goal, and that, you just want to sit, yeah. Then yeah, I don't like that. That's the separation right there. Yeah, I don't like that. Point. If you say I want I want to be a tailboard long enough to uh, to get to this point where I know this much, I'm this good at it, whatever, and however you define that, I think that's awesome. And you're training and yeah. you're doing set a goal. You can and I, and I agree that. with that. And you know, my my whole philosophy going into it was I'm gonna get to the point where I think I'm proficient at as a tailboard. Right. And then I start working on my relief driver and Right. Now that I think that I've gotten that to a point to where I feel comfortable enough with it, like now I'm gonna I'm working on my AOIC. That's my next right. step. And then you know, I don't stop working on those lower, so to speak, lower positions. You know, I don't stop. Just, right. I didn't just stop training as a tailboard or whatever, but now I feel like I can build on that base. Um, so I, I agree. You know, it's if you have a goal in mind, it's it's not the 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 turds are the ones that just want to be left alone. Yeah. I just want to come to work and you just leave me alone and I'll hand the radio to the next person the next day. And uh, this particular person that sent me that question, um, he's not a turd and he's a, (laughs) so, but he, he did want, he wanted to, he just, somebody has been made it. Somebody's made him to feel that way. Well, no, no, he doesn't. No, not, not entirely. It's more of, he wanted, um, he just wants to gain the experience of, as a tail to become a good tailboard. So, so I think in his, I don't, I don't, I think he feels he's a good tailboard. Here's the other piece to he that. Thinks he has enough okay. experience yet. When do you have enough? And, and if you spent 25 years being a driver operator, mm-hmm. would you get to the end of the 25 and go, you know, I've still got stuff to learn. Probably. Probably. Absolutely. You're never going to get to, no, if, if your right. finish line is to be complete, you're never going to be complete. Yeah. You're never going to be complete as a tailboard, as a driver, as a station officer. You're going to get to a level of proficiency, whatever you and whatever those around you have defined as proficient. But I, I, I do worry about those people that sit back and say, I want to be the best of whatever, but there's not really defining that. Yeah. Well, Bill, I wonder if maybe in some circumstances, not necessarily this one, but I wonder if some circumstances – the person may feel like they're put, being pushed too quickly into sure, something else. Which, you know, yeah, like, sure. hey, can you let me sit tight here for for a minute? Because, you know, the need sometimes supersedes everything. Hey, well, we need but this. But here's, here's the thing, and, and the perception. So let's let's say right now, and we, you know, Austin happens to be in the same department. And I know one of the questions says something that we have a a, a – a problem with uh, having a very young department right now. Yeah, that's what I was going to go with. You answer your question with another when, question. When I got hired, I mean, I was I was in charge of a I was AOIC on an engine, and the three of us on the engine had less than six years experience. And that's where we're at. Right, just the other day, I was riding but with it's it's not six a, years of experience. It's totally. not a new. It's perceived as this. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. but it really is almost at least in our department a perpetual turnover you know and it's not the desired state but it is i I don't know i I think that's in in most bills so and this is the part where with those coming in maybe we're doing a poor job at communicating some of this stuff but there is a certainty in the fire service 
If you don't like the way that things are right now, just give it a minute. They're going to change. But eventually, they seem to come back full circle. So if we were to look at the data, what you would probably find is that historically, almost every department, there is a time frame where you're superseded by that younger group. Why? Because that senior group all starts retiring out. There's just a bunch of things that take place. But uh, I know a metro department that had that same thing. We used to call it the babysitter's club, really, because it was like, is there anybody in that department over the age of 30? Well, all of those people went up and they're now senior uh, uh, firefighters or officers and they are the big number, but they will go out and there will be a time again where we will say, is there anybody in that department over the age of 30? So I think that that happens almost everywhere. There's I think a I cut hatch off. No, no. I mean, I just talked about that. Uh, he's basically answering his question with his own question, with another question that you have a very young department, so those positions have to be filled, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to do them, and either it's the guys that we see that have the talent and the the uh, abilities to rise to the occasion, or that you're going to put the guy that's less talented further down. The, you know, so if you stay in your comfort zone and you have the capabilities to do it, yeah, we're kind of start questioning why you're doing that. Yeah. And so I get it that it kind of puts people maybe a little on the defense that, you know, we're going a little fast, but some we got to fill them. Somebody's got to do it. We've said this a million times. I've said it to every AOIC course and every pump operator course. This profession, our department, is built on growth. It's built on professional growth, professional development. It won't work any other way. Otherwise, I'll be trying to hire driver operators yeah. from the outside. And I don't think anybody wants that. So it is that little constant, gentle pressure to get this thing moving because it requires it. You know what? And on the other side of that, Shane, come and think about it. You want to be concerned? Be concerned when you're not getting pushed to move past where you yeah, are. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because saying they've probably given up on you at that point. So if yeah. we really look at it. There's another question. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> if you really want to look at it is, and I'm, I understand, I wanted a certain timeline. This goes back to, Previously, we were talking about planning. I have my plan. When you disrupt my plan, it makes me extremely uncomfortable because I planned on being here and reaching this level. I want to get at least as many years of experience before I move to that point. But when you have people, and we should, the fire service is fantastic at, at this, where they're kind of pushing you outside of that comfort zone, go to the next. That's a good thing. It's Take pride in that. Yeah. When they decide they've given up on you, that you're not getting pushed anywhere, yeah. that's where I would throw up a flag and be well, concerned. Think about the, the the opposite of that. So if you aren't being pushed and they they have to fill the position and it's a less talented person and that person moves up, now they're going to be making decisions. Maybe decisions that go away from the parts of the fire department that you like, maybe not making interior attacks or doing things differently. You allowed them to supersede you because you wanted to stay in this little comfort zone and I wanted to go to do one more search or one more push or whatever. I get it. I totally get it. I love it too. But at some point we got to stop being Peter Pan. We got to grow up and be real firefighters. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome Hatch to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I I used to have a discussion with guys all the time that would talk about, they don't want to take the chief's position. And I said, I get it. I totally get it. It's not a lot of fun sometimes, Mm -hmm. but there's a progression of the way this goes, and we're going to fill this spot. So we either we get put put somebody in there that's talented, or we go right below them with the person that's less talented. The spot is going to get filled. Yeah, Austin, what? How much do you think that assessment of an individual and pushing them to the next level before they might think that they're ready? How much is that a lack <laughs> of 
assessment of themselves. In other words, I don't see the potential in me as well as someone else sees the potential. And I mean, I, you know, I think sometimes we don't see what we've got, you know, what we what we've got to offer, but how much do you think that that plays into it? I, I mean, I'm sure that that's a big part of it. Um, I mean, I tend to kind of downplay uh, possibly some of my own strengths and whatnot. Um, I don't know if it's trying to not seem egotistical or something like that. I don't, I sure. don't, I don't really know. Yeah, that, I don't know that's the, the human, you know, psychology mindset behind it all. But I think that that definitely has something to play in it. And I, the people that are around us for 24 hours a day, you know, every third day, they're gonna know yeah, our strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> You ain't hiding from yeah. Them. They're gonna know, you know. So I guess it, that's a good point. How if, many how many times does somebody get pushed? And I, this is purely hypothetical because we don't have any information to go off of. But how many times would you feel that people get pushed up when they shouldn't be? And how many times do they get pushed and it was the right thing? Do we have more people in positions that you say I don't know how that person could ever? Or do you have more people that that you say? That was a good. That was a good promotion. That was a good move up. Just from looking at it, in my experience, I think that the majority of people in their positions are there for a good reason. So, yeah. so somebody obviously either they saw it in themselves or somebody else saw right. it in them. So it turned out to be a good thing. Um, I'm horrible. I mean, personally, I'm horrible about it because yeah. I, I, I'm not really. You know, I'm like, nope, nope. That's above me. I can't. I'm, I'm not capable of doing that. I'm going to stay right here. But the perceptions, Bill, the, are, the yeah. perceptions are, are when you're new in the fire service, you just have not gained that internal experience of decision making. That it, you're still almost pure to a certain degree going, you're looking at individual going, hey, that person's been around for 10, 15, however many years. However, you, there's a certain purity that comes with being still new within a few years of the fire service that after a while, you start learning more and more about the individual. It seems like you get a little bit more cynical, a little bit more judgmental, and you get more prone to making those type of comments where, yeah, that person shouldn't have got it over this one or that one, or you know what I'm saying? Right. There's a purity within a certain timeline of you coming into the fire service that you lose after a while by having so much institutional knowledge and so, so much relationship with people that that becomes highlighted where you start looking at individuals like that. Wow, that one shouldn't be there. Um, back to Hatch's point, because that's been brought up a bunch of times is, yeah, if you don't step up, uh, going back to the original point, if, you, if we're not pushing people to go to the next level and step up and they're not willing to, then the other side of that, they get upset when somebody surpasses them and then they have poor leadership above them. It's like, but you did not step up. You did not want to step up. You said you wanted to stay right here so now you've been sub surpassed by somebody who is not favorable you allowed that to happen to a certain degree because you don't want to put yourself in a position to lead yeah. and i think part of that comes back to that you know maybe having that self-doubt you know maybe it should be upon us if we see somebody that's you know trying to that we think should move up or something like that maybe it is good to have us push them more so they maybe start to realize it. Because I found it with myself, you know. Um, it was, I, I don't realize how much I actually know about something until after I've, like, done it and, you know, it goes right. well or it doesn't go well. Um, 
the, uh, most of the time after the fact, I'm like, oh, wow, I guess I actually did know that, you know, better yeah. than I thought I did. Um, so. so you never had the experience where you have, like, some officers a half-wit, and you're like, holy smokes, I could do better than that. I don't know why that doesn't give people confidence. It's like, uh, I can absolutely do better than that. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's not as prevalent as the other, is it? I think it is. It was for me. Like, yeah. I got more on. <laughs> I operate a little differently. I'm still doing that. I think I operate a lot differently. I'm most trying things. to carry over your Peter Pan analogy, and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out who the morons are on the on the island of uh, Lost Boys. That's right. Never Neverland. <laughs> Maybe uh, we should let Austin ask. Yeah, another question. <laughs> another question. <laughs> Moving on. Hatcher is getting a little weird. Um, okay. So this uh, this was kind of more for myself. Um, does that mean this is your question? This is my question. Oh, there we um, go. Oh, now we're really going to tear this one up. Good. Yeah, I expect it. <laughs> I'm used to this. That's one of the good things about being out for those two years. I learned really quickly, you know, you're going to get uh, ripped on a lot. But it's all in love, you know, sometimes. That's right. Um, how do I, as a young guy that's being put into more and more uh, hands-on training or leadership roles, like the relief drive that we're talking about, or working my way up to AOIC, um, uh, motivate those that are older than me. Uh, cause, you know, sometimes I'll be technically in charge of somebody that's 10 years older than me or something like right. that, or have more time on the job than I do, like the career tailboards or anything like that. Um, how do I motivate them to, I guess, bring them up to my level, the level that I expect myself to operate at. Right. Um, yeah, what what are some suggestions with that? Because so you walked into a house and you have some of the senior people that just don't give a shit, and they are just not motivated or They're whatever. Turds. They're turds, and you're <laughs> you're walking turd. in. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think this goes to motivation, uh, and I, I I actually personally subscribe to the idea that there is no such thing other than self motivation. I can't motivate someone else. And hopefully it just kind of emanates out. To oh, I mean, you can, you can use power to yeah. get somebody else to do something. And there's different forms of that. There's, uh, you know, there's coercive power where I can make you do it. You know, I can, you know, and nobody likes to use that. Yeah. Uh, legitimate power that's conferred upon you by rank or position or seniority or anything like that. But um, you can use power to get somebody to do it. But as far as motivating them, They've got to find that in themselves. And the, the best thing that I think you can do is just do your best and be visible. And to a certain extent, you do want to push them because I think that's everybody needs to be pushed. But uh, to a certain extent, you're waiting for them to, to come along. It's You're not pushing the train. You're trying to pull it. I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction. Okay. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but. What I say is motivation is so temporary. Sometimes you're motivated and sometimes you're not. I do not rely on motivation. There's a great quote from like Zig Ziglar or something. He says, motivation is temporary. It's, it's like bathing. We recommend you do it every day. I can't remember the quote, but it's, it's very much that. Okay, go continue. Excellent. So uh, my thought is that you want to go in there and create. I would much pr- uh, prefer that people rely on number one, very clear expectations of what is to be expected, consistency, then motivation. Because you come in with those days where you just don't feel like doing nothing. And sometimes you just not up. And some people just won't self-motivate. 
Yeah. Uh, and then it takes so much work to constantly come in and go, all right, and try to get everybody motivated versus going, here's the expectation for this house. I see it all the time. You can go from even where you are, you can go from one house to the next house to the next house. A culture has been established that there's an expectation that in this house, this is the way things work. I like that much more than having to go in and constantly rely on motivation. Listen, we, we work in a profession where you are not going to be motivated, motivated all the time to do stuff, but you are expected to perform. So perform. So the, and every day when you go in, that to me, that should be the expectation is performance. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. So then what do you do with you have the person that comes into the house that has that great culture, that great culture of work and, you know, doing the best that we can just because that's how each of those individuals that are already there, they've bought into that. That's just how they are as people. So what do you do when you get the person that's sent to your house for whatever reason or the rookie that comes out and they're just not about that. They don't care about the job. They just view it as a job. You know, they don't view it as what I would assume we all view it as more of a calling than anything else. Um, so what, what, what do you do with that person? And, and you know, I, I like to I like to think that there's a little bit of a time period just for them to adjust to it and everything. So there's an adjustment period. But then once once you get past that period and they're still just don't give a damn. So, so. could we take this like one at a time as a nugget instead of a philosophical non-applicable type thing i would say for instance for i guess we are my yes, nugget. The question is moving on <laughs> well, doing it yes, we can. shane nodded yeah, his right. head there oh, was okay, a, okay. there was a non-verbal yeah, agreement, agreement. Okay, okay let's go uh, sorry to interrupt so what i would say is one of the things as a company officer that i would do is the expectations were clear in how we were going to operate but when that person came in that is disengaged or disconnected as a company officer, what I would do is there's certain things that I cannot make you do. If we're training, then you're going to have to engage. If we're doing PT, for instance, I can't make you PT, mm-hmm. but you're going to sit out there and watch. You don't want to join in, not a problem, but you're going to watch. And there's certain things where I would say you have to participate because I can. I had the authority, the ability, and it's not that I'm flexing authority as much as we're going to train. You have to train with us. But if we're all going to PT together, because that's something that we do together, I can't say you have to come PT. But I would say is the team is going out there. You need to go out there. My premise for it was this. You need to know where our limitations are. Mm -hmm. And we do that while we're training and while we're PTing. So my nugget would be inject them into places where they wouldn't normally be figure out how to get them there. And just out of pure guilt, <laughs> you'll find that sometimes they'll just start engaging because it's just, they just start engaging. I have found that to be successful just as a nugget to use is, hey, you have to do this with us. So I would, I, you've got two situations and I would say with the one where you are the one in the station that's trying to motivate the others, you know, you've, you've got the the tactic that I would say is, is you've got to identify the one person that, that, you think is the most ready to come over to your way and be motivated. And once you've got them on board, then you've got two and kind you work on, on the, the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not, it's a long process. Yep. It, it takes a long time and it doesn't happen overnight. And when it does happen, you'll end up, at least I did. I, it happened at a station. I was at a station. Everybody hated to be at work. 
It took a year and a half, but all of a sudden, everybody, it seemed like all of a sudden, everybody was happy to be there. They were fighting to be on the truck that was going to run the calls. I mean, it was just, you know. And when you look back, I have no idea what we did. Other <laughs> than we came to work and we were glad to be there. I can tell you what I think you did, and it would be my my advice, is that you you set the standard, you, you maintained, managed those expectations, right. You maintain consistency with those expectations, and it's that we've already said it once. I'm going to keep stealing it. As a, it's just that constant, gentle pressure. Right. It's just constant, gentle pressure. Okay, so now let me ask: when when you did do that, what was um, what was your position at the time? Were you a, were you an officer? Or I was, were you? no, I was a firefighter. Uh, I was by the time it turned around, I was a year and a half out of the fire academy. No. And I was at a station with three drivers that fought to be on the truck that wasn't going to turn a wheel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I had a captain that was widely regarded by the rest of the department as not being worth a damn. Uh, We never turned the captain, but he wanted to be left alone. But the rest of the crew slowly but surely started coming over to that side. Now, the other scenario that you proposed was you've got a, a... a motivated station that then has someone come in that's not motivated. And you've got the benefit of numbers on that one. Mm-hmm. But if it's the numbers, if you, if you, if you situate it as the numbers in the station against that one person, you're never going to get them on board. It's got to totally be a, we want you to be with us. And it's not antagonistic. It's come on, come on over here. Look, we're all doing this. Come on. You know, we want you to be a part of this and pull them along. There's some people that you're not going to be able to do anything with. Yeah. And I mean, that's just it. They no, somehow, those they, things tend to work themselves out. Yeah. They, t- they work themselves out. It's not anybody's job to get rid of people. I mean, it, it really just this idea that we've got to get rid of this turd, you know, ended up in the fire service. You know, we don't know why he's here. He shouldn't be here. He has no passion for the job. We got to get rid of him. We need to run him out of here. Don't that that's not your job. Your job is to make that station run as good as it can. They'll get they'll get rid of themselves. And it won't happen as fast as you want it to, you know. But they'll leave. And it takes you know, it takes some moral courage too to do this as a younger firefighter because what you're ultimately having to try to do is try to find where the value is in this individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And that means you're gonna have to step out of the group because group likes to beat up on people. Yeah, and it becomes a. I've seen it. You know, it becomes a very lonely place. It's, it's tough. If you've very. been labeled, if you've been labeled as a shit bag, it's very. How do you? Just, yeah. So yeah. it takes somebody with some ethical and moral courage to step up and um, try to find some value in somebody that everybody else has decided there is no value in that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As an officer, I I had a few that came to the station that were widely regarded as turds. And the first conversation I had with him was, I don't care what happened before you got here. You are starting new here. And whatever you're going to do or not do begins today. But that's it. You know, your, your reputation, whatever it is, I don't care about it. And for the record, from my experiences, sometimes we created those turds ourselves. I've seen sure. people come into the fire service, go to a place with a certain culture. And within a few years, I start hearing this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We did not hire that. We created that because yeah. I know what we hired. Sometimes it's our own fault. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shane, I like your point. You're 100% right. 
takes a lot of courage sometimes to step out and go, hang on a second. We may have to do some reprogramming here, but I know what's the core of this person because when we hired that person, that's not that's not who we had. We created what we currently have, whether, you know, that's a departmental thing or a station thing. It could even be a personal thing, but I agree with what you're saying too where it takes courage and it also takes a lot of, takes a lot of work because you're investing into another human. I mean, it takes a lot of work to have the patience and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes we do create some of these uh, turds, let's say. But what I would say is also ask yourself, are you just going to help make a bigger one? Or are you actually going to try to reverse this action and, and put some good into it? A lot of times with what you're saying, Shane, is like so much easier just to contribute yeah. into that reputation than it is to sit back and yeah. go, let's see how we can improve this thing. Hatch, did you have any? No, I have no opinion. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Move on to the next question, please. So the first one, uh, I'd say character and reputation. Character is what you think of yourself, and reputation is what everybody else thinks about you. So as you're coming into a firehouse or whatever, and you're uh, being that boss, on the days that you're not that boss, don't be that guy that's running around naked and all that stuff because people aren't going to take you as seriously when you have to step up. I mean, it's not an off and on thing. I mean, especially if you have that senior guy, you know, that, that you're having to lead, and he hears the stories about some of the goofy stuff that you did. A lot of times that's carrying over, and it hurts you and makes that job a lot harder on you, in my opinion. Um, and the other one, as far as the, the culture and stuff like that, you know, I'm telling you, coming together as a family in the station is huge. And eating together. And you got to understand, not everybody approaches this and has the same, you know, didn't approach it the same way. Sometimes they didn't have family culture. They don't understand being on a team or didn't play team sports and stuff like that. And you got to bring them into that culture and stuff. And so I think, you know, Shane was saying it does make that. It takes a lot of courage to do it, you know, but there's also times, you know, that maybe they don't participate in some of the things that, uh, you know, the, the brotherhood part of it. They got to earn it a little bit too. And uh, I, there's a saying that an old chief uh, used to say that I liked a lot, and it's, it's pretty aggressive, so you're going to love this. But he said, uh, I can't make you do it, but I can make you wish you had. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of like, like that, I like that <laughs> attitude a little bit because that doesn't give them that option just to sit out. You know, I'm, you're going to do this one way or the other. So, You know, Hatch, I think you have a great point there, too, that this will go not – this will go for the, the leadership officers and above – we actually have an opportunity to give someone a family they never had. Are you truly trying to do that? Because if you do, you're probably going to find yourself being successful most of the time of, of keeping, uh, keeping that united front at the station. If you look at it in that you're actually trying to create what you said in the very beginning, what drew you in, it gives you purpose, you have that community. I think sometimes our obstacle is when we decide okay, you're not part of our community and we start shoving you out and everybody starts jumping on board with that. We do have an opportunity to go, hey, let's, let's bring you in closer. Let's give you that, um, that family you didn't have. And it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds with all that, with everything that's going on. And we know the difference in that's the changes that are happening in this world with, you know, the, what we all say, more social media, more this, more disconnect. And you come into the firehouse and us trying to keep that culture of, eating breakfast together, eating dinner together, that, that unity, uh, I, my perspective would be, let's not lose that. Like Hatcher saying, let's not lose that because it's actually going to be something 
that people are not going to have as much in the outside world that they'll be looking for yeah. us to provide it for them. So you're spot on with that. There's another thing too, uh, especially when you're trying to, you need something to be held accountable because they're not pulling their weight. Cut down on the shenanigans. It makes it so much harder for the officer to hold that one person accountable when you guys are doing things expecting to get away with it because y'all go to fires. Well, it's your job. You're supposed to go to fires. But I need to hold this guy accountable, and now you're dividing his attention, the officer. So just bear that in That's mind. That's a good one, Hatch. Well, I, I've done this for a while, so. <laughs> <laughs> Austin, we probably got time for one more. So Ooh. make it a good one. All right. Oh, man. Do we have a time limit? That seems to work really well with these guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. We actually do. Well, okay, so uh, easy one. What is the difference between a good DO, driver operator, and a good I was going to say, I had no idea what a DO was. Oh, I was going to ask yeah, I'm you. Using, I'm, I'm using <laughs> FAO, uh, DO, yeah. yeah. Sergeant. Good driver. I said do. What the hell is a do? Driver operator, driver. Driver operator. Keep on going. Sorry. Yes. We're on time limit. What, what's the difference between a good one and a great one? You want to start, Shane? I will tell you one thing that I see that almost always represents a, a great driver versus a good driver. When I see on the fire ground driver operators getting their, their lines in place, everything is set, and they're bringing additional equipment to the front door that they think is going to be needed – or they're making moves towards throwing ladders or whatever the case may be. But more than anything, getting equipment ready that they think is going to be there. I, I think usually what I see that, I see that's a good driver. They're, they're, they're anticipating where this call is going to go. Don't look at me. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so we don't all end up with the same answers. For me, first. <laughs> yeah. for me, know where the hell you're going a good driver just knows territory uh as a company officer what i really did not like is having to know you sure up your weaknesses i'm not i'm directionally challenged so as a driver i agree with you 100 percent, shane but you got to know where you're going there's no more relief to me as a company officer when i knew i didn't have to worry about nothing upset getting my head together going to an incident because the driver knows where they're going. They know territory. So for me, that's huge. Oh, well, you kind of took mine. Oh, mine was going to know the apparatus stem to stern. Know exactly what its full capabilities are. I mean, literally, probably the only people that know more about it is the manufacturer. You know, and, and so many times you just see, well, I'm just driving this today or I'm driving that today. And I get it. I get it. You can get us where we need to go. You can, you know, drive with due regard the whole nine yards. But I need you to know scrub areas, the whole nine yards, be able to say it. You know, stem to stern. That's a great driver. And I'd, I'd, I'd expand in my, my knowing your territory is a little bit more militant. And I know that it's not, uh, it's not necessarily possible with as much as people might get sent off because everybody's going to say, well, I got sent off and I don't know this territory. That's fine. But know your, know your first in, mm -hmm. you know, wherever you're assigned. But know it to the point where, given a dry erase board, you can draw it and label the streets this to and from testing uh -huh. and stuff like that, where it's, you don't really need to know it. You just need to know some, you know, the true test was, can you draw this section of the territory uh -huh. up yeah. on the map and then label everything correctly? Mm 
You know, I mean, that's knowing your territory. And I break agree. Numbers. That's true, Bill. You're spot no, break on. numbers is a big yeah. thing. Yeah. And I mean, numbers, you, if you locations. can't get the truck to the call, what I mean, that, that exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what. That's at the core of being a driver. Yeah. Now, that's not to say the other stuff that we've mentioned isn't uh, equally as important. But, but by that time, you should I probably. Thought, but yeah. you would hope that the driver <laughs> operator would know what's on the truck. Right. What, yeah. what the truck but, and Bill, uh, you're, you're, you're 100% right. And thank you for that articulating that better than I did. Because for me, it's like, just get us there. If we get right. there, we got this. Right. But we need to get there. Well, and I, I don't, I mean, I use uh, apps to tell me where to go and stuff like that. But if you, if you not good with a paper map, you know, I, I think every truck ought to have a backup paper map for when the, when the electronic devices take a shit with this EMP that's going to go off or whatever. Well, they always gonna say they want to go old day. school. Trust me, knowing your streets is old school. Yeah. Yep. Well, you I know, mean, it is old school. We, we didn't have GPS. We memorized it. Yeah. yeah. So we write still, down the address and know it on the way out. Yeah. At least, um, you know, in our department, I'm looking at. <laughs> right. Yeah, <I> don't, <laughs> one half of the table. Yeah, one half of the table here. <laughs> I mean, it's still, at least in my battalion, from what I've seen, it's we're told to make a draw map book, mm-hmm. know your breaking numbers, know what streets going to be faster to go down, you know, because right. there's, different ways to get here what how do you what do you have to do to not get beat in by somebody else right yeah no the the best uh the best exercise in the station for territory as far as i was always concerned was the um at at the station i was at they called them crow drills because it was some guy named crow had come up with it or that was who liked doing it but they'd say you take a left out of the station you go to the second stoplight you take a right you go two streets and you take a left you know, you go down the hill and you take a right. What street are you on? Where are yeah. you? And if you can't tell, you don't know. I mean, you know, I, mm-hmm. I when the bell went off and they'd give an address, my head, there was a flash of every intersection that I was going to have to go through to get to that spot. You know, it'll be this one, this one, this one, this one, and that one. And that's, I've got it. Let's go. And you need to, I'm not saying I was a great driver, but you need to, that's where you need to be. I used to do something like that. I have all the streets uh, in a bag. And I passed it around because everybody hated to know to pick what was going to be for dinner. And so you had to tell me how to get to that street from the station. If you couldn't tell me, you had to pick what we were eating. Because nah. yeah, that nobody wants to pick dinner. That is good. Huh? Nah, that's a good one. Yeah, I got you think we got time to squeeze another one in? Yeah, but I want to add one more thing that a good driver should be doing, and that's riding seat. Oh, man. Sorry. I'm on that one, I'm Sorry. On that one too. But if 100%. you. And that, this goes for any. Po- well, yeah, I know that. Here we go with the I'm going to be unpopular again. Uh, this goes with any position. You don't truly do your position well until you know what the person above you needs. Agreed. And you're not going to know that until you do it. it. All, all of the best drivers that I have worked with so far, they basically for us, I mean, I'm not saying that the captain doesn't run the station, but they basically run the station for the captain. You know? Right. I mean, they, they're training up the rookies and the younger guys. They're handling whatever sort of paperwork they can handle, whatever they can take away from that guy above them, they're doing. And, and hopefully the captain is running the battalion for the battalion chief, and the battalion chief is running the shift for the assistant chief and so on. Let's let him get one more in, and then we'll do those. Okay. We covered a lot of what I wanted to talk about. Okay. How, how much does it, another thing since I'm about to be the AOI, going into my AOIC, how much uh, talking on the radio Boy, is too much? Boy, I'm going to Especially in terms of size up on the radio and biograph. Put that one on a t-ball for you man yeah so as little as possible as much as needed and you know what i was actually hoping hatcher would answer this one (laughs) i really was i've been having this one sitting here plugged in going i would love to hear hatcher's (laughs) response my driver actually gave me that one yesterday when i was reading these off you know it's like you don't 
it's hard to sit here and say when it's too much, but when I hear it, I know it's too damn much. Yeah. It's, uh, Think about what you're going to say before you key up. Thinking and talking and uhs on the radio, waste of time. Yes. Be concise. But you you are painting a picture for those people that are coming in behind you. Which that's that's what I'm saying. It's what is a good picture that's being painted, you know? I mean, I don't know so what color the house is. The, the, well, yeah. <laughs> the example yeah, that I, I always go back to is Sofa Superstore. You know, and the traffic from the alley with the battalion chief that first pulled up was we have a bunch of trash and debris burning outside the building. Not a not Does a good that size. paint an accurate picture of what they had? No. Well, it's it's factual. Yeah. But there's a whole lot more that you could have said. And I, you don't have to write a book. It didn't have to be five minutes worth of radio traffic, but you could have added stuff like it's a furniture store. It looks like it's getting into the structure at this point. What you about know? you when you hear it? When do you think it's too much and when it's not? Oh, man. I mean, definitely the crews that uh, they come on scene to a, to a fire and all they say is it's working and then, they're out doing a 360, and then it's like 10 minutes later, you still haven't heard anything yeah, else, you and you don't know what's going that? on. So that's that's too little, in my opinion. So why why do you need more information? What are, the, what are the you... crews coming in, they're going to need to know what you know they're working with, what they need to do. What they need to do, because what you, we're know, going into. you know we're going to need a water supply, mm-hmm. right? We're going to need ladders. We're going to need what, you know, you're checking off all those things that have got to be done, yeah. and you're just going to do them. Right. I mean, yeah. If I, if I'm on my way, if I'm riding in the back or whatever, I'm driving, or better yet, if I'm driving and I hear, you know, oh, we got smoking flames coming out the window, and then nothing else. Like it's kind of like, what what are we going to? You right. Know? Unless I absolutely know that area, I don't know. Are we going to a, a split level? You know, a, a office store or something like that? Right. So. I, I do see the irony in the question to where there's almost no, there's not a perfect answer to it really because on one side of it you can give what you would think is the perfect size up and everybody's like, I wish you would just shut up. We got it. It's a working fire in a two story residential blank. And then you add a little bit more or whatever. And then the other side, which is actually what I hate hearing it's a working fire and then crickets because I have no idea what I'm walking into. So there's, there's a middle ground. I would say not only just, you know, like Hatch said, you know, take your breath, make sure you got your words measured and put the words out there. Just pick the words that are going to all have well, some wanna, power to them. Some Hatch this a little bit because Hatch, I'm curious, like for you, when you set the expectation for those officers, what is it? What's the minimum thing you want to hear? Hmm. You know uh, what I mean? Like you've got this cadence, this little battle rhythm you want to hear. What, what's the minimum does that sound like? You know, what type of construction is it? Right, right, right. Is so it residential? it's the, is it the size, maybe, you know, number of floors or size of the building, the type of construction, uh, what it's used for, uh, where the fire is, what the smoke conditions are, you know, that you're taking command. What in if, you know, most of them are going to have you do a 360 before you start doing anything else. But, you know, so that's basic for, for your initial, what we call a brief initial report. You know, it's just giving that information, but it's all about practicing. You know, yeah. it's, it's not something, especially if it's, you know, you're riding the seat. You know, every six months or whatever, I always kind of, I don't joke, but I, I, I bring it to the people's attention. So our firefighters, uh, you know, we have ones that are passed up or, you know, extra drivers or whatever you call it. So we ask them to be good hosemen, good plugmen, good seat riders, and good drivers. That's yeah. four jobs. Four jobs. Four mm-hmm. jobs I right. want them to do well that they may not do, you know, every all the time. Then. Right. Yeah. I have to do one. I have to write up as, as my boss. That's it. Captains have to write up as me being a boss. They have one job. 
so that the guys with the least amount of experience, we ask the most to of. To do the most, right. And yeah. so I really do pay, pay attention to them, and I try to tell them, listen to the people who are on the seat. Mimic. If, if you like it, mimic what they're doing. And practice it, just like you said. I mean, I like what you made a good point. I, I would get in that kind of rhythm in my head of what I was going to say. But long before that fire went out, I was we were at station. Somebody's on one side of the station, somebody's on the other side of the station, and we're talking on talk around. Mm-hmm. Not even just that. Gas leaks. So, yeah. You know, when you're yeah, sitting there on the gas cap company show up, size up that building right there. Tell me what you yeah. would say. Tell me what, what say you would go. Yeah, other. exactly. Go through the motions yeah. of it. You know, have them critique you. Ah, that was great, but you forgot That's to say piece. what mode and phase you were in or That's whatever. That's the piece. The, the ask people around you. Did I give you enough information? Did you want more? Get a feel for it. Yeah. And listen to your radio traffic. Uh, most of us have access to get the radio traffic. Yeah. I know we've talked about this in the past, but listen to it. You learn so much from listening to others and listening to your own. You can sit there and just go like, oh. Yeah, because you're your uh, biggest critic. Yeah. You know, you're going to, in in your own comfort of your own space, listening to it, you're going to criticize all those things that you did more so than somebody else. So just I probably learned more a, from that. A technical thing for anybody that goes to get radio traffic, the software these days will take out the uh, the pauses if you... There's a way that you can tell it to not do that, but if you don't tell it to not do that, what you end up getting is radio traffic that sounds very compressed. Mm-hmm. Everything happens right on top of it, mm-hmm. and that's not true. That's because they've taken those breaks. Yeah, out. they take yeah. the breaks out. So when you if you if you're going to ask for it, make sure you ask for the real time real time yep. audio traffic. Which it's nice to get the compressed if I'm trying to sure if you hear just something yeah if you're just trying I'll to find get the something compressed right? I don't want yeah. to, I need but the it, real time it will make you think things happened a whole lot faster than they did and you know the great thing about these arrival size up and talking too much or not enough is you can practice them over and over again Go I mean work. sit in that computer YouTube and or just on a residential you a medical call you pull up. Do it in your head. You can recite this over and over in your head where you have, you know, your your flow going. You want that flow to be muscle memory of what you're putting out there. That's probably uh, been one of the most helpful things to me, too, is just to constantly sit there and drill on doing that. Okay, what information do I know I need to put out? Uh, and just practicing all the time. Med calls are a good time to be, a good time to be doing that, too. I mean, like. The non-serious ones, the butt eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pull up and immediately you're looking at that that house or whatever facility you're in and you're doing a size up. Back to the, um, and I know we'll have to stop here, but back to the, when we first started with that first question of why are you laughing, Shane? No, no reason. All right. Uh, the the blue card command thing. That's one of the things that it did is structures uh, a scene size up where it says, you know, you got to confirm the dispatch address, announce the number of floors, announce a type of occupancy, announce the conditions found, announce water supply, layout information, announce mode of attack, whether it's investigative, offensive, or defensive and establish command. Most departments have this. So if you don't, there's other avenues that you can go to get, Hey, what is a good flow of information that all of that information is pertinent so if your department doesn't have one, which I think most department nowadays, for the most part, have something like that, just know what that flow is of expectations. And uh, at the end of the day, the battalion coming in that's going to be taking that incident, to a certain degree, that's what you're trying to facilitate too. I get it, all the other incoming engines and everything. Talk to the battalion. Hey, as a officer or acting officer, what is it that you expect from me on arrival? What type of size up that do you want? 
And that'll be very helpful too. That way, you know, you're facilitating because they're going to come in and take what you got for the most part. So I, I think that's another route to go is ask your battalion, what do you expect from me if I'm riding seat as my initial size up in radio traffic? All right, Austin, we've got some questions for you. All we, right. we like to ask these questions, all of our guests. What's your favorite word or phrase on the fire ground? It's a working fire. What's your least favorite? At this time. Mm. <laughs> Be advised. Be advised. My next question is, uh, engine or truck? Engine. Ugh. Yeah. What yeah. motivates you? Uh, like you guys have mentioned before in previous episodes, but it's definitely getting that nod from the people that I respect. Uh, what's your favorite book? My favorite book? Oh, man. Um, Moving so, on. Hold on. Hold on. What's, the, what's the last book you read? Curious oh, George? Yeah, let me pull it up. It's, um, it's terrible. I've been wanting to pull that like, I like for curious, like last six I like, people. I like Curious I George. I like the man in the yellow hat. <laughs> All right, hold on. I was going to say Brown Bear. That was the last book I read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> brown Bear, Brown Bear. Um, what do you see? <laughs> the, the last book that I finished uh, on Audible was uh, Green Lights, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I've actually downloaded that. I haven't listened to it yet. Really, really good. He's been all over. He's been all over the television talking about that. It's hard to come up with like my favorite, my all-time favorite book. I don't know. Uh, What profession would you like to try it if you weren't a firefighter? I know that this was, you know, kind of a default you had to drop back to. So I mean, you were in college trying to figure it all out. So yeah, yeah. Um, Well, (laughs) I tried like twelve different things. Exactly. So I mean, maybe one of them. Oh man. Uh, well, in college, I was working for uh, Georgia Southern's football team, uh, doing videography. So that's probably what I would want to want to do if, for some reason, I had to stop doing this. Uh oh, Bill. Yeah, we got an editor, video editor, that. right here. There was a point, we need, we need and I don't remember why I was doing it, but I videotaped football games for for scouts that's or something like that. Right? I don't even remember who I was working for. Huh. If you're going to be introduced as the something. keynote speaker at FDIC, what song would they use? I'm going to go with. Uh, there's an obscure song. I gotta Bill, see who, Bill I gotta, loves these. I gotta see who it's by. Well, listen, if you give him the title yeah, of the song, put Bill to the test. Tell him what it is. Like, are, are, are you a uh, name that too? Are you, are you into rap? Uh, he loves rap. Bring well, it. Does he look one. like he's into rap? <laughs> I, 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 Hold on a second. I, I, do I look like I'm into rap? I, I, mean, I was a public enemy, and you know, kind of more '80s. You'll be shocked here. So Don't I'm, say who the artist is. Say the song, and then we'll see if we figure out the artist. Okay. Trying to see Flavor Flavor. Man, I, uh, come on now. Oh, uh, where is it? Oh, that's hilarious. You don't, you don't want me to do? No, I don't. You know, <laughs> I used to do a very uh, dramatic reading of Public Enemy lyrics. So I'm going to go with uh, Flat Shoals by Yellowfella or Flat Shoals by Landstrip, Landstrip Chip. Okay. Flat Shoals, though. I gotta represent, yeah, I got to represent East Atlanta. All right. Zone six. Now I have to look it up. Uh, at your retirement, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, as a fireman's fireman. All right. And uh, if you could go back, you know, like two or three months and give your rookie self some advice, <laughs> what would it be? <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Give myself some advice from a couple weeks back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, just enjoy it. You know, sit back, learn everything you can, and Did have fun. Talk to each other on the way out because that's, yeah, that's the same thing he said. Exact answer. That but that's a great on. answer. It yeah. is a good answer because it can go very fast, and you can get caught up in a lot of negativity. And there's there's a lot of fun with this job. 
All right. That was my questions. Cool. Well, Austin, we really appreciate you coming on and talking. Yeah, thank, and, uh, thank you guys for having me. No, it That's was awesome. good to good to do. Do we have a well? Well, well, well. All right. We'll catch you next time. See All righty. Abel, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Combustible is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to Combustible to make sure you don't miss out on an episode. Follow us on Facebook so we know how many of you listeners there are out there. And you can check us out online at combustiblethepodcast.com. As always, we would like to thank the Golden Dogs and True North Records for letting us use their song Saints at the Gates for our theme music. You can find the Golden Dogs music on any streaming platform. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later. Later.